Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy. The only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. I would like to weed out a few people who are voting today. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. John Seacrest Quaid along with you this morning on the morning meeting. Missouri tightening up in the race for Senate, and we're going to have Aaron Baker from Axiom Strategies in the studio with us here in a little bit And also this morning. And, well, that's been the other big talking point has been with the collapse of the illusion of the Obama administration's Obamacare being good for America, the illusion that was foisted upon us, was ever. The, the lie that was peddled, and we didn't buy it. And they Missouri said, you're not going to buy it. We're going to strap you to this chair like you were a prisoner of the Viet Cong, and we're going to force it down your throat. Yeah, I remember Missouri had the show vote yep. to say, you know, we, we kind of uh, don't, but we're going to go on the record as saying we don't like this. Now, remember... People didn't like it from the get-go. It never had a majority of support. And Missouri, one of the, if not the first state, one of the first states to actually go on record with the voting public to say, mm-hmm. don't like it, not happy about it. So this shouldn't, shouldn't surprise anybody. This isn't a new position. This isn't a revelation no. for the show-me state. Mm-mm. But it's been, uh, the uh, what the revelation has been is the admitted increases that are coming from the Obama administration. Can't deny that. That that not only were the promises that were made complete illusions or outright lies, but now that's unraveling right at the wrong time, really, for his domestic policy achievements, for the legacy that he was looking to establish, and for the legacy of the Democrat Party if they want to continue to occupy the Oval Office. Because this is having an effect, a big effect, and we're less than two weeks out from the election. And now it's like, I, I imagine it's like trying to squeeze water. You know, the, the tighter you try and hold on to this, the more it's going to leak out everywhere. And Hillary has not exactly been an open book of forthcomingness, uh, especially not during this election cycle, nor while she was Secretary of State, nor while she's had all of her other legacy lifetime government positions. So it'll be interesting to see if she and her team can find a way to reverse the damage that this is doing to her. Uh, do, the, do they feel I, at this point in time? I would tell you that they feel they got enough wiggle room that unless this all of a sudden starts doing more damage than they think, that they're okay, that they can weather this Obamacare situation through what. 10 days. I know the the video highlights days. I saw of her on the trail yesterday had a different flavor to them 
than what we're seeing over the weekend. Yesterday, she was in Florida, uh, not just telling everybody, I'm preparing my transition team and, you know, we're, we're moving America forward. She was doing the, hey, if you're all, if you haven't voted, get out. We're going to need every single vote. Don't take it for granted. This is a battle. So this is a much different tune that she's whistling now uh, than what she has been uh, advocating for the the Clinton that has been uh, portraying herself as the heir apparent now is uh, trying to rally the troops of voters saying that this is a dogfight and they're going to need everybody. Does it mean that uh, either one's a lock? Absolutely not. But I think they feel the ground underneath their feet getting a little less steady. Uh, there are polls today that, that again, show the uh, presidential race tighter than uh, previous. It depends on the poll you look at. I mean, yeah, some it depends polls... on where you look at it, too. You mentioned uh, Missouri earlier. Trump's had a bit of a surge there, and that surge has carried Eric Greitens into a tighter race right. for the Missouri governor. We'll talk with Aaron Baker about that at length coming up. You look at uh, Missouri, and, and, and even for Missouri, it depends on which which poll you're looking at. Some, some polls, we were talking about the poll yesterday that has Missouri as a lean Republican. But not solid Republican. And you said, well, what's 10 points? I mean, if 10 points isn't solid, mm-hmm. what is in, in an election? And I think 10 is about where uh, Scott Fall the Missouri Times has Trump at. And that that's drawn Eric Greitens closer to Chris Coster because of that 10 point. If you get up to, to 12 all of a sudden, is that solid? I think Greitens would think that was nice and, you know, sure. solid. 15 would even be better. Well, I mean, Bo Derek thought 10 was good, so I think that'll work out perfectly for everybody else. Uh, if you're still on the fence about one of the uh, big races in Illinois, tonight is going to be the uh, Senate debate between Mark Kirk and Tammy Duckworth. So this is going to be at uh, Sangamon Auditorium at the University of Illinois Springfield. It's going to be a UIS debate at 7. Uh, they're going to, I think they're going to stream it at uh, sjr.com, that's Springfield Journal Register. And that's going to be, I believe, your chance to see that. So sj-r.com, they'll have the stream of it there. Uh, If you want to watch Mark Kirk and Tammy Duckworth debate this evening, that is uh, for a U.S. Senate seat. This will be interesting. I I need to catch some of this because I want to see how uh, Mark Kirk tries to stay on the right side of Tammy Duckworth, and by that I mean to the political right of Tammy Duckworth, because he's he's drifted as far left as anybody who has an R in front of their name, I think, can. Uh, the, but this is traditional Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, shouldn't be that hard to get to the right of Tammy Duckworth. Uh, so as far as you know, maybe on a personal level for Kirk, it the, the bar seems higher. Uh, but as far as being right, you wouldn't think that that's uh, that difficult of a hurdle to get over. Uh, Kirk may surprise, uh, but he does need to make some points and gain some ground because uh, right now Democrats are already uh, pretty much counting Duckworth as a win. Yeah, they are, and that's a big seat that uh, has a lot of eyes on it across the country. This race and the Cander Blunt race in Missouri, two of the most interesting Senate races going on right now, mm-hmm. and one that uh, both sides are counting on picking up seats in, a Republicans looking to hold and Democrats looking to to make a pickup in both those races. All right, coming up this morning, Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies in a bit. But uh, cookies for racism, that's not exactly the way it went down, but why the uh, young conservatives of Texas 
are now on the outs with their university. And cookies are at the heart of it. And we'll explain next on WTAD. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. Depends on who you let define the word seasonal. If you let, like, a brewery define it, that might be February to October for the summer beer. Depending upon the brewery. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or fall starts (laughs) August 1. Uh, Or earlier. Christmas started a month ago. I believe some of the retail locations around town. Uh It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Secrets, Quaid with you this morning. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies coming up. I was reminded because of what I just said. Uh, Jimmy Buffett has a new Christmas song out. Because uh, when I think Christmas, I think Jimmy Buffett. Hey, man. <laughs> Sometimes you need hey, a man. tiki torch and an umbrella drink to get you through. There's a uh, beverage in here, man. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think, it, what, what was it? I, I heard it the other day. It says Santa stole Thanksgiving. So I think that, that gets to the It's a oh. critique on Jimmy Buffett. Holiday. Usually yeah. don't think about Jimmy Buffett making a sta- you know a social statement like mm-hmm. that. Usually Jimmy Buffett is about, you know, relax. Uh, I've times. got some seafood. Yeah, let's not take life too fast. <laughs> yeah. Too hard. Not, Jimmy Buffett's going to get hard over Thanksgiving? Apparently, yeah. It, <laughs> it was kind of a, he does it with a smile, of course, but he's definitely sending a message about hmm. consumerism and other things. Okay. Uh, I thought it was uh, was very interesting. Maybe we'll get that for you on the uh, pre-Thanksgiving Day episode here. Oh, well, why not? Of, of the morning meeting. Uh, early voting already coming in in some key battleground states in the presidential election. Hillary Clinton's campaign says, quote, their eye-popping advantages in early voting are showing, but that's not the case that uh, is actually coming in. Democrats. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is Hillary saying that the numbers are are flawed? Is that is that what she's saying that the early? By the way, and I'm going to totally run this off course right now. Sure. Uh, early voting numbers. Do we sit and tally those? Is there? I didn't realize that those just don't go off to the side somewhere or get put in the voter you know box and then those ballots get tallied up with everything else or or, or have those already been tallied and we can no, see those numbers i think they're doing exit polls okay at the polling place i don't believe okay. that those are counted early and if they are i don't believe those numbers are released okay that that, that, that was early. that's the question i, I think we're doing doing the uh the exit poll here so the the veracity of these may not be 100% so we'll see where this ends up going uh, she did walk back the eye popping Comment by saying we're seeing eye popping vote by mail application numbers. That from the uh, Clinton and Clinton campaign. So we'll see. Uh, they're they're using the fact that in early voting states like Arizona, North Carolina, that more Democrats are requesting ballots than Republicans. That's always been the case. Mm-hmm. When you when you look at it by party, historical trends show more Democrats tend to vote early than Republicans vote early. That's just I don't know why. But that's just the way that the, the trend has always on. been. Why is that? That's uh, that's a, that's a question that I need answered. I think that'd be if you've got the free time. I'm gonna say, where's IA when we need her? Yeah, we send her out to figure that out. So don't wait until your senior year or grad school to do this thesis. So IA. of the 37 states that allow early voting, only some of those make public 
mean meaning release mm-hmm. the number of registered Democrats versus Republicans who have requested ballots. So final, they, they don't tally up the final numbers that the votes until Election Day, but not even all of the 37 states released the information on how many of each Democrat or Republican uh, ballot has been requested. Okay, so beyond that, you're saying the exit polling has shown plus Trump, and Hillary is saying, no, well, no, no, no. Hillary's no. up. Okay. Hillary's up in the exit polling, but not by as much as oh, many okay. pre- predicted that she'd be up. Trump's oh, okay. actually grabbing a higher percentage than was he was predicted to during the traditionally Democratic early voting window. Okay. See, this is where people have to be careful about uh, understanding how the politics and media, uh, you know, frame mm-hmm. things up. And, and that's one of the, the big fears. And this is one of the problems that I see in the way that media covers elections today, and that's the willingness to call everything so early. You calling, because right now, what's good, okay, so my sister lives in California. She works, and if we were talking about this a little bit while she was uh, back at the ancestral grounds over the weekend, if she gets off work and they've already called the, she knows California is going to go Hillary. Mm-hmm. But if she's already seen them call Florida, call Ohio, and call Pennsylvania, by the time she gets off work in the West, what's the point? What's the point of her going to the poll? Yeah. And that's, I don't, I don't know if you can embargo that information until polls are closed in the West. Well, that's tough. There's there's a a tough ground here, but our willingness, and when I say our, I'm talking broad brushstroke media, willingness to at 7 o'clock in the evening when 52% of the vote has been counted in Florida, boom, call it, because you want to make news. Well, this, is, this is the news industry wanting to make news instead of report news, and, this is the pro- and well, that's the problem. The problem is, well, Florida, there are two different time zones in Florida. The majority of Florida is in the eastern time zone, but there's part of Florida Most that's of Florida in the central time zone. Most of tell you that people in the panhandle aren't in Florida. But <laughs> that's just what I've heard from Floridians. All right. Okay. What, whatever. They're part know, of Alabama, local issues Georgia, that they have there yeah. in, the, in the Sunshine State. But the point <laughs> is that at, at, at 7 p.m. Eastern time, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the, 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 the East Coast you know, where the, the media complex is up and down the, the northeastern seaboard is going to want to say, OK, we've had these eggs and we're going to declare a winner. Right. Because they're wanting to make news instead of report news. Wait for the state to declare the winner mm-hmm. and then report that news. Right. So uh, should we encourage a a remember when uh, England had the Brexit thing and we stood and waited for each that was like yesterday each little county to, to come up mm-hmm. and declare the the votes one by one individual there mm-hmm. wasn't any of this mm-hmm. we're gonna go ahead and per exit polls declare X y and Z mm-hmm. every thing yet you had to wait boom they each little county area fell right and they then would tally it up and and discuss in between it's to me that's much more compelling. Yes. Viewing, if you, yes. if you want to get into the whole ratings aspect of mm-hmm. it. Uh, it was awkward for a moment when they had to find the step stool so that the Shire could could vote on that. <laughs> but you know, other than that, I think it is something that's much more compelling. You have those numbers dotted, and then you would have, let's say, the governor or somebody in, in elections official from each state sort of announce the results of that state. Mm-hmm. But you, now, you know, you're, now you're getting into... The whole 
a, a whole different can of worms about uh, transparency in the process and, and, and these other things. So I just think that it's it's got to be tough if you're in the West and you're voting for the candidate who's behind because you see them start calling states and you know California's well, 55 or, or hanging out there. But you're just talking about the one race, okay? There's, yes. there's and, and this is what I would say to your sister. There's a lot more on that ballot. And we had that conversation. Than Clinton versus And she understands Trump. That. Okay. But it's it's a situation where in the most high-profile race in the country, you're on some occasions left with the sense that your vote is meaningless. And people in Hawaii... There's almost nothing we can do for you. <laughs> They're just listening to Jimmy Buffett and relaxing the whole time, so it's fine. So that's, that's just kind of a look at some of the early voting uh, that's going on already in the 37 states that allow that uh, around the country. How much would you pay for a cookie, Quade? And uh, would you well, it depends be cool? on the cookie. W- would you be cool if I uh, charged you a different price than I charge producer Josh? It depends on the size of the cookie. All right. Do, uh, I, do I get a bigger cookie if you're going to charge me more? Well, Or no. does Josh get a bigger cookie if you charge him more? Josh is probably going to get more cookie for his money because he's going to pay less than you are. The Young Conservatives of Texas have a club at the University of Texas at Austin. This is the main campus at UT. Uh, they sparked some outrage this week after they uh, put together a protest on institutionalized racism. What they did, this isn't a new idea, but they brought it, this was a pretty high-profile showcasing of it. They had an affirmative action bake sale and charged people different prices based on your race or sex. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you're, were, if, if you're an Asian male, you got charged $1.50 for that chocolate chip cookie. If you're a white male, it was a dollar, and if you're a black man or Hispanic, 50 cents. Native Americans, it was free. Asian women, $1.25. White women, $0.75. Cents. Hispanic and uh, black women, $0.25. Cents. <laughs> and if yeah. you were a Native American woman, free. I understand the whole gist of, of, of the, the, and I'm going to call it a stunt, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a couple of angles. A, why don't you just go find a Native American woman to go get you some cookies? <laughs> Well, it, it, it's, it's just being smart now. We were talking about it during during the, the between show breaks. Is I, I think producer Josh brought it up. If you're of mixed background, you fill out the one that's most financially advantageous, right. correct? And that was the point. They were trying to point out the holes uh, of what they call institutionalized racism that you see with affirmative action. Because affirmative action allows for institutions that practice it, like universities, Mm. to judge would-be students by the color of their skin and their gender rather than by their achievements and actions that they have uh, showcased leading up to their application for enrollment. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but is it is it uh, University of Texas that has had this issue in court? I want to say that University of Michigan did. But maybe UT as well, or maybe it was like Texas A and M. Well, there was a school in Texas that there that was. ended up in court over that. Okay, it was the the uh, it was a similar group back in 2013 held a similar bake sale, and uh, they it was called by the uh, the vice president for diversity. Texas ahead of the game, they already had a vice president of diversity. It was called deplorable back in 2013, and so of course, in order to agitate the situation, they went and found the same vice president for diversity, Gregory Vincent. That doesn't sound very diverse. 
he said that the uh, two the, first names. Yeah, in seeking an audience for their ideals, young conservatives of Texas resorted to exercising one of the university's core values, but to the detriment of the many. So right away, socialism. Don't exercise your your rights, uh, your your uh, values if it's to the detriment of others. Such actions and drawing attention to them are counterproductive to true dialogue and is unrepresentative of the ideals towards which our community strives. If your community is not striving for equality of opportunity for everyone, regardless of gender, ethnicity, or race, then I would say you're striving for the wrong ends. Is there anything in there for, for gender neutral prices? Did they go that far? No, they didn't. They they didn't. Uh, they didn't. They uh, obviously they didn't think this out far enough. They don't have anything for transgendered right. uh, cookie lovers. Uh, they don't have anything for uh, uh, pre or post op cookie lovers. Mm. Uh, we have to go all the way down the LGBTQ yeah. spectrum. Yeah. So you know. so while and and please know that we we did this whole segment during the break. Before we came back to do we the segment have done it yesterday, while we had brownies, and, and and Josh pointed out that this was ridiculously thorough list, but we've already shown that it, apparently it's not thorough enough. Right, I gave him a C. <laughs> C for cookie. Coming up this morning <laughs> on the morning meeting, Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies. You didn't see that coming. Next on the morning meeting, where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea, the morning meeting on Talk Radio nine thirty WTAD. This is Dennis Miller, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting here on Talk Radio 930. You don't have to read very far to figure that out. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid, along with you this morning. Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, coming up tomorrow here on The Morning Meeting. We're heading into the home stretch. For the uh, presidential election, and uh, Craig will kind of start getting his final thoughts in on that. Now, though, we're joined by Aaron Baker of Axiom Strategies out of Missouri. Chance for us to take a deep dive into Missouri issues. Aaron in studio with us today. Thanks for making the trip. Always great to have you here. It's great to be here, and with two two weeks left, we have a lot to discuss. It looks like you're very relaxed after being away on the baby moon, so I'm glad. That's right. That's right. You know, you, well, things you, are going well in Missouri. Your so. skin is glowing. He looks <laughs> vibrant. So good. We're glad to have him here this morning. Let's start with the Missouri at the top of the ticket with the uh, latest uh, uh, information coming out about issues with Obamacare, which Missouri took the, the sort of show-me vote on early to officially lodge their protest years ago. Quaid brought that up earlier. We know that it's never been popular in Missouri. Uh, Trump's getting a surge off of this, and because that, we're seeing uh, Eric Greitens kind of follow that Missouri surge as well. How close is that gubernatorial race getting right now? Right, so Donald Trump was always ahead, 8 to 10 points uh, after the comments came out that one Friday, dropped down to maybe a 4 or 5 point margin. We're now 10 to 15 points uh, ahead for Donald Trump. So when you look at races for governor, uh, for Eric Greitens, when you look at lieutenant governor, which is also close, and when you look at U.S. Senate, you have to think if Trump can get over 10 points, that'll be very hard for uh, Democrats to uh, to win races that we consider toss-ups today. And it's very interesting. Quaid brought up the point earlier. What do you consider solid versus leans? Because you see a lot of the projection, electoral college projections, and they're, they're taking Missouri out of the solid Republican to maybe leans. And we're talking about 10, 12 percent 
That seems like a pretty solid number to us. You do this regularly. Is that not enough to be considered a solid state? So not to be a polling nerd about this, but this is IVR polling that Missouri Times released. I believe that it's a more educated electorate that answers or responds to IVR polling, and it's a little more predictive of where we will be. And I, I think the traditional polls that have Missouri as toss-up are looking back 10 days. And I think that what you see from the IVR data coming from Missouri Times is more of a snapshot of today and, and, and maybe a little bit closer to where we're going to end up. So uh, there's a lag between where Missouri is a toss-up on the calendar and, and today uh, as far as uh, where it stands. Aaron Baker, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Let's talk uh, Jason Kander and Roy Blunt. So while Trump uh, may be extending his lead in the show-me states, the Democrat Party seems to think uh, that Roy Blunt is vulnerable. I, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but uh, some people think that Roy Blunt might be the last line of defense for the GOP keeping the Senate. Do, do, do you see it that way? Is Roy Blunt's race that important? It, it was close 10 days ago, and uh, it was a competitive, lean candor 10 days ago. Mm -hmm. Today, uh, Blunt is ahead, and with the headwind that he's receiving from Trump, and, and finally, Roy Blunt has taken the gloves off, and is starting to uh, to really reveal that Jason Kander is a uh, a second vote for Claire McCaskill, that he is a rubber stamp for the Hillary Clinton agenda. And I think that even though Trump's doing so well in Missouri, I think voters, by the time we get closer to Election Day, may come to the realization that Trump may not win nationally and, and would like and, and would prefer to have a Republican in that U.S. Senate position uh, to block perhaps her agenda, if that's the case, rather than Jason Kander. And again, just be a second vote with Claire McCaskill from a very red state. What does the map for Republicans nationwide uh, look like right now? I mean, is it so tight that the, the national eye is on this race in that's Missouri? Right. Because we're seeing a similar thing here across the river in Illinois. Mark Kirk is, is no conservative's favorite person, but they're looking at, okay, well, we still need to hold on to that seat because Tammy Duckworth is a, a second Dick Durbin. So it's, it's, it's a similar mindset almost. I would say, though, as far as priority, protecting the seats that, that, that we have, Florida and, and, and uh, Ohio have been taken off the table, but Indiana, Wisconsin, Missouri, I think they're actually uh, very high priorities, keeping states that are uh, sometimes red uh, in, in that place. I think that I, I can't speak for the situation in Illinois, but uh, it seems as if protecting Roy Blunt may be a, a bigger priority and a, a more winnable, reachable goal uh, th than the Kirk race. But, uh, you know, there's still a lot of time out, but it seems as if Missouri's a pretty high priority. Races that are high priority at this point. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, with us this morning on the morning meeting, are going to draw the money at this point. Races that are still neck and neck, seats that are, are determined to be uh, either defendable or up for grabs. Missouri, famously, no campaign contribution limit. And this has led to a couple of interesting conversations. Greitens getting a $2 million donation that some are referring to as dark money uh, because he, he hasn't been transparent with it. Uh, and now other money coming in for Roy Blunt in this case and so forth. Uh, where, does that, where does that line get drawn in and does the average voter care Who's funding the commercials? Or are we just too far down in, in the wonky weeds? So uh, the average voter will have a chance to weigh in on this on Amendment 2 to uh, bring contribution limits back to Missouri. But it's hard for me to say that the amount of, of money flowing to politics is throttled when we have limits, when the U.S. Senate race, which has limits, is about at $40 million spent in the state. Uh, usually in a state that doesn't have 
uh, limits. Transparency is key. If we need to tighten up things in the state to make it to where you have to disclose donors uh, in this dark money that's flowing through, that's fine. I'm not an advocate for uh, campaign contribution limits. I don't think it has the intended consequences that, that folks think think exist. Uh, but, you know, if dark money is flowing, we need to tweak that to make sure that that it is transparent. Yeah. Money in campaigns is like it's it, there's there's a gravitational pull and it, it always seems like it will find its way along those lines. As uh, far as Amendment 2 goes, was it uh, late last week? Uh, Ryan Johnson, Missouri Lions for Freedom came out. They mm-hmm. came out against Amendment 2. And I know you've said before that you think there's an overwhelming chance that it that it will pass, uh, even despite uh, Missouri Alliance for Freedom uh, coming out against it. Well, Aaron, and before you answer that, courts have also routinely ruled that that campaign contributions are essentially free speech and they don't want to limit free speech. This so will, you've got a complicated issue. This will pass on the ballot, uh, whether or not how, how it what happens after that in the courts, et cetera, is is yet to be seen. There are some significant legal challenges to it. But uh, again, if you want a transparent campaign, if you want to know where, where money is flowing from, the uh, campaign contribution limits is, is the opposite way to go. I'm glad that you're staying consistent because I have the Aaron Baker score sheet from last week here, and you said that, yes, last right. week you thought Amendment 2 would pass as well. Aaron Baker, our guest, Axiom Strategies this morning on the morning meeting. When you vote, will you take a ballot selfie and send it out? Uh, I, I have a lot of county clerk, clerk friends, and they are constantly reminding me that that is against the law, and I've already voted and and did not do that. You know, there was a case in New Hampshire, though, where they said it is okay. It was mm-hmm. against the law in that state to take a ballot selfie. Um, I the, the thing is, when my friends do it on social media, will I tell them that they're breaking the law and should take it down? That's I'm probably not going to. So you're, you're going to be party to it, but you <laughs> won't right. actually execute it yourself. <laughs> That's uh, right. This has been in the news because some celebrities have done this. Uh, Justin Timberlake, mega pop star celebrity, uh, has done this. It, it, it brings it up. Now people are going to, to want to do the same thing. Uh, it is uh, Web City State Representative Charlie Davis told uh, News Talk KZRG uh, near Web City that uh, the law was is from the 70s. And was a way to get people to not try and intimidate others by getting them to vote in lockstep with them. He thinks it's outdated. I'm just using him as the lightning rod. What are you hearing? Do a lot of legislators think this is outdated? Or is it something that we need to to kind of squelch right now because of the proliferation of technology and how easy it is to, to share this, what was supposed to be private information? Yeah, I always wondered if the original intent was to keep folks from recreating the ballots uh, in, in a voter fraud type of situation. But, um, you know, the law needs to catch up with the times. However, after this election... I'm not so sure that the legislature will really address this issue or care unless there's some sort of broader election reform that it could be included in. But there's not exactly a lobbyist for for the selfie industry. Quaid just took a broadcast selfie. Those are always encouraged. Well, while we were having the discussion, I thought it would be ironic if we (laughs) did a selfie in the studio. So I'll I'll put that up at our... uh, I should have held on to yesterday's uh, Adams County ballot that we were going over and... Held it Posted up in that a picture. Up as yeah. that, I don't know what the Illinois law is uh, for that. I guess we're not in the voting booth, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I guess it's that's a sample true. ballot. Yeah. Um, but the, and, and let me take it to the unintended consequences. Can, I don't know that we can even contemplate what you know because technology is different right. uh, now. You know, and a law in the '70s. You know, there's no way they could have foreseen having a device like uh, the phones that we have now but that also doesn't mean that we can imagine on star trek in the 60s (sighs) 
Gene Roddenberry knew. I do. Okay, fine. That's okay. <laughs> fine. Sean's blasting off again. Yes. That's, so, but that, that, that there are consequences that we can't fathom at this point in time. Uh, if if we you know relax certain rules about things, and all of a sudden we go, whoa, we didn't think of that. We got to put this back in place, and then you got to go back and fight the whole thing over again. I've found oftentimes in Missouri, if you just ask the county clerks what what should be done, they're pretty pretty smart about things and, and how it works in, in reality. And I, I again don't think this is a high priority for them, but if if there is some type of elections reform, then then it needs to be discussed. Aaron Baker, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, a practice that you see in a lot of third world countries may be coming to the U.S. here in a couple of weeks. The Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, which is usually a uh, policing-style organization at polling places in third world countries to ensure fairness of elections, has said they want to roll out poll watchers here in the U.S. Now, some states have already said that they won't allow foreign poll watchers. This goes to the idea of voter fraud. This goes to one of the narratives that the Trump campaign has brought up where the election could be stolen from them. Is this the world just being interested in the transition of of power here in the U.S.? Or is this the world organization saying maybe things aren't always on the up and up in the shining city on the hill. Sure, it, it certainly would be hypocritical for the U.S. not to allow them to observe, and uh, it, it what could it hurt except for to reduce fraud? So I can't imagine anyone would oppose that, and uh, it would be interesting to see what the results are and which cities they choose to, to police. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. We talked about the gubernatorial race. We talked about the Senate race. Let's look down the ballot a little bit. How close is the lieutenant governor's race in Missouri? Because, of course, again, a reminder for those who aren't into that every day, that's two separate offices, separate election. It's mm. not a, a combined ticket like you see at the federal level. So, I, you know, for these down ballot races, I really think that you can take uh, Missouri's candidates for state treasurer, uh, the attorney general, and Secretary of State into one bucket, and that is uh, pretty solidly Republican. Republicans will pick up three seats, and they haven't done that since uh, 2004, that they've won three statewide offices. And so despite Missouri's Republican lean, they've struggled to pick up uh, statewide races. Uh, that year, uh, they had Matt Blunt for governor, Sarah Steelman for treasurer, uh, and Kit Bond for for uh, U.S. Senate, so they made some gains. Actually, they won a fourth one too, Lieutenant Governor Peter Kinder. This time, uh, so I think you can put all of those into a bucket. These down ballot races: Mike Parson versus Russ Carnahan. Carnahan's a pretty known name in Missouri. Uh, Russ probably isn't a, a highest performer as his father was politically, but uh, if if Trump is ahead by ten to fifteen and Greitens is uh, as close as it is. Uh, that would really help Parson, a rural guy, uh, defeat a uh, known name in Missouri. And and in of all the ball- of all the races in Missouri uh, that are down ballot, that folks are not watching. Uh, the lieutenant governor race is a really good barometer of how Republicans and Democrats uh, fared this year. Do you think Missouri stays on its? What we've seen is a traditional axis lately with a uh, supermajority Republican at the state level, but yet a Democratic governor. Uh, you know, it's tied right now. Definitely the trends I'm basically are in, asking you to pick a winner. Yeah, so <laughs> as it stands today, if Trump's still ahead 10 to 15 points as he is today and Greitens was down 5 to 7 10 days ago and, and is now tied, it won't be for lack of money uh, that he will win. And I, I, as it is today, I, I think that he's a winner. Uh, you know, Chris Coster's running on being a longtime politician. 
that's might probably not be the cycle for that. That's probably the wrong message, and none of the attacks he's landing on Greitens is sticking. Uh, so as of today, probably their first time this year, I would say that uh, Greitens can win this, and that's that's what I would say. Now, ask me again next week, obviously. Sean brought up the supermajority that the Republicans hold in Jefferson City. Uh, are, are Republicans likely to keep that in Jefferson City when you're talking about statewide races? And, and, and if they do, how important is that if Coster gets elected? Jay Nixon, uh, very unpopular around the state. So, uh, you know, having veto overrides against Governor Nixon, maybe not that surprising, but would it be that way if if Chris Coster were governor? Uh, he would do a better job of working with Republicans and, and on rural issues. But again, uh, you know, Chris Coster, despite his campaigning in rural areas like Northeast Missouri, is one of the most tied to labor, one of the most tied to trial lawyer uh, politicians that we've seen for a while. Uh, it's also important to note that the legislature has a supermajority. They Republicans probably have seats that they really shouldn't have as far as uh, statistically. I don't think that they're going to gain any traction in the Senate. Believe it or not, they could, in this type of environment, gain seats in the House. Regardless, if they lose two seats in the Senate, if they lose what's competitive, what's left on the table in the House, they're still going to have veto-proof majorities. Uh, so it's, it's a strong number they have. They could gain some in the House. Uh, which is which is particularly incredible, but we're we're in a really good environment right now, and uh, it doesn't seem like anything can stop it. Are there particular districts that you have your eye on? You said Republicans are occupying seats right now that historically they haven't had. Are there particular districts that those are coming from? I would imagine when you say that, I'm, the first thing that leaps to my mind is more urban districts in St. Louis and Kansas City. Uh, that's right, the suburban districts in in St. Louis and Kansas City, uh, which are represented by pro labor Republicans for the most part. Uh, we also have some seats in St. Joe and uh, Southeast Missouri that are very competitive. And for, for, for some instances, Democrats did not even field a candidate, which was really common in Missouri. Seats, well, you're familiar with them in Northeast Missouri, uh, like Craig Redmond's, Jim Hansen's, didn't have a Democrat file in a, a, a district that, you know, 10 years ago, a Republican wouldn't have filed in. So it, it's just a different situation. Aaron Baker, our guest this morning on The Morning. And Sean was talking about this uh, a little bit earlier in uh, Eric Greitens' uh, campaign funds. Scott Fawn's got a story at the Missouri Times about the uh, Democrat Party filing uh, a state election uh, committee complaint against Greitens. If, if he wins, is this something that, that they're hoping to kind of cast a shadow over him for for the beginning of his term? Or is this, I mean, is this just trying to make hay within the last 10, 12 days before the election? It, it's something that you often do to a, an opponent to throw them off their game. I really don't think that voters care or are surprised when there are um, there is money moving around in politics that you uh, it, that is seems questionable or um, that type of thing. Again, if you're Coster, you've got to uh, have a message that's not I've been a politician my entire adult life mm -hmm. and and you know. If you're Greitens, you got to keep saying, you know, what he's been doing. I just the the way this race is shaping up is is in Greitens' favor, and uh, these types of attacks are meant to probably throw him off his game. But when you ask voters the top things they care about, that's not one of them. Well, I mean, we saw this this almost exact same thing in the primary, and it and it didn't affect the the you know Greitens' vote turnout there either. That's right, and if there there is plenty of ammo to say the same thing about uh, Coster and, and pay for play, et cetera. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. I can't believe it. Just one more visit before Election Day it, coming up a week from Tuesday. It is surreal. I mean, everything's going to be out the door. The ads are going to be done. The mail is going to be in the mail. Uh, you know, by next week, 
it's going to be pretty baked as to where we are, and it'll be pretty interesting to see what the next round of polls show for the state. Yeah, my mailbox is going to be empty at home, I think, once the <laughs> political mailers stop going out. Aaron Baker, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Thank you both so much for the time and insight. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming in. Yep, look forward to it. We'll wrap it up next on the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. It's a morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean St. Quaid with you. It'll be interesting if they uh, would celebrate that in Missouri by lighting up the now unbanned Cubans. The victory smoke. Yeah, that would be that would be interesting. Just a moment here. Uh, Producer Josh already gave us the eye here as we get sent to wrap this up. Tomorrow on the morning meeting, Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican. He'll be with us as we look to the final days of the presidential election uh, as a campaign manager. What's he expecting the moves to be made from both sides? What moves are there to be made? Again, uh, we talked about it yesterday. Iowa, apparently one of those states. Uh, that per polling is up for grabs. Uh, again, in the past, Craig would have said, no, that's ridiculous. And we'll find out from him where exactly they are on that uh, coming into the final week before the election. And a reminder, you want to watch the debate tonight between uh, incumbent Senator Mark Kirk and uh, challenger Tammy Duckworth. That's going to be going down at uh, the University of Illinois Springfield. You can find it live online at sj-r.com. That's the Springfield Journal Register news site sj-r.com they'll have that expect them to get underway about seven o'clock they're or just so. hosting the feed they're not the moderating correct okay. correct they, they are providing the feed for the event is uh, as that all gets ready to go we're, we're down at the end i mean this is it a, a campaign season that started essentially over a year ago He's going to be wrapped up, baked in, as Aaron said, in, in the next couple of days. And, and it looks like we're going to know where we're at on a lot of local races. But at the top of the at the top of the ticket, at least for federal, I think this is going to remain interesting. Quade, we mentioned states where, where votes almost seem electoral college votes almost seem predetermined. Illinois almost undoubtedly going to go for Clinton in the presidential election. But even if your candidate doesn't look like they're going to pick up your electoral college votes, you still have so much work to do down ticket Mm -hmm. to change the scope of your community, to reinforce the scope of your community. If you already like where it's at, change is made most effectively at home and then radiates out. So take those down ballot races seriously. Yeah, get out and vote. Your voice matters. All right, that's going to do it for us this morning. Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, coming up tomorrow, all right here as we wrap up the week on The Morning Meeting. Morning Meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.